Welcome to episode 129 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and our producer, Johnny Fam. You know, guys, I, I know we've all been a little bummed out by, by the sports, but we are on to the fantasy football playoffs. Hopefully that can bring us a little more joy than the Chiefs have in the last couple of weeks. Any any teams and any leagues for you guys gearing up for a quarterfinal matchup? I do have a team in my Superflex Dynasty League gearing up for a matchup. We you have better because you drafted the most win-now team of all time in that league, so you, you'd better. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Derrick Henry. God hopes Aaron Jones is healthy and plays finally. Are you really are, are you starting Aaron Jones if he plays? Uh it's between him, Khalil Herbert. Uh lately we've been running with the Derrick Henry Tajik Spears stack at running. I mean, that's back. not bad. You get a little two minute drill. Yeah. Or Antonio Gibson. Yeah, and if I'm real desperate, Jordan Mason is on my taxi. <laughs> Johnny, I know uh in, in your main work leak, you were bemoaning having T. Higgins and who, there was somebody else that, that was wrecking your team. Has that team recovered or is that team left for dead? That team has been left for dead since the draft night. <laughs> nothing to look forward to. All just, I don't even know who's on. Tony Pollard, trash. Ah, that that's the other guy who is. But he's he's been, he's been better lately. Travis Kelsey, trash. Not his fault. All his fault. He has one touchdown in the last what seven weeks. He was actually he was open for a touchdown, and uh, Mahomes threw it to Rice, and Rice did not catch the ball. But that was shocker. Chiefs receiver didn't catch the ball. No, it wasn't that he dropped it. It just wasn't. He just didn't run the route exactly how he was supposed to. Which shocker. Chiefs wide receiver didn't run the route right. Which is one of two things that happens on most plays. Shocker. (laughs) Fantasy football is all pure luck. It's fine. It's fine. We're at an all-time low well, here at half point per podcast. You know, fantasy football may be pure luck, but we are still here to give you advice anyway. We've got starts of the week, sits of the week, streams of the week for quarterback and for defenses. And Dalton and I are going to give you guys uh, some big picture score lines to watch, whether you're in dynasty leagues and you're not in the playoffs, and so you're kind of in rebuild mode. Um, looking for takeaways for next season, or you're just a redraft player, but you're not in the playoffs. So you are looking ahead to your 2024 draft and kind of thinking about different storylines, different uh, different things that could cause fallout and cause things to drop a certain way, kind of heading into free agency and whatnot. This offseason, where we will start, Dalton, is our start, sit, and stream of the week. Do you want to start positively or negatively with, with this one? We've been so negative, I think we should be positive. <laughs> okay. You you give me your star of the week for this week. Um, <clears throat> this is one that fantasy managers were probably excited about three weeks ago and are now sitting down wondering if he's going to crack their lineup, and it is Zach. <laughs> I, was, I, I knew exactly who you were talking about yeah. right when you said that. So over the last two weeks, he's first and third in the NFL in expected fantasy points per game, obviously. The outcomes were not uh, what we wanted with the inputs. But beside that, he has 21 and 22 touches in each of those games. So you're getting the volume. You need that. Then he plays a Pittsburgh defense that's been incredibly bad against the run over the last five weeks. They're third in running back scoring. 
no matter what you think of Zach Moss, we just saw Ezekiel Elliott post his first RB1 week since 2017 uh, against the Pittsburgh defense on a Thursday night football led by Bailey Zappi and three wide receivers. Can, can I read you a line from fantasylife.com on Zach yes. Moss? Zach Moss was a fantasy dud for the second consecutive game, despite a role handcrafted by the fantasy gods. <laughs> that, that is basically what has happened the last two weeks. 83% snap share and 70%, 76% of the Colts rushing attempts. He was also active in the passing game with an 87% route participation and a 21% target share. Like, we say follow the talent, but at running back, it is talent plus utilization. And the utilization, like, physically cannot get much better than what he's got. Yeah. Well, then this Colts offense plays the most plays per game because they play so fast. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much opportunity for him to blow up. And I there's just, especially with injuries and the level of talent at the running back position right now in the committee position, there's nobody who has Zach Moss that should be considering him. I mean, I would start him over Zeke, Eckler, you know. I mean, he's probably in contention to be him or Bijan if you were a really solid RB1. Like, that, those are all conversations he should be in. He's a top six RB this week, I would say. Um, wow, that that that's that's a little higher than I would have uh, thought. I, I think I probably would have said that he would have, like, RB six to ten two weeks ago. I, I just feel a little burned. Maybe I personally feel a little burned because he has been in my starting lineup each, each of the last two weeks. You have uh, well, to trust the process till the process hits. I mean, I'm starting him for sure. Like it, it's either it's either him or I think Jalen Warren and Calvin Ridley would be next two up, or Chuba Hubbard or James Conner. It's like a big big mush of guys, kind of in that range. I think Zach Moss is the best with that. But yeah, I'm I'm with it for Zach Moss this week. And who who do the Colts play this week? I don't even remember. They play Pitt, Pittsburgh, who's the third worst rush defense over the last five games. Yeah, and season long, they are 19th in points per game given up to running backs. Now, will they have TJ Watt this week? Uh, not sure. And that obviously will have a big impact, I would think, on how that defense performs as a whole. Maybe not as much in the rushing attack as the passing attack, but probably more scoring opportunities for the Colts if they're not playing TJ Watt on the other side. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, should be a smash spot for him. Who do you have up to start? So I cheated and went with two. Uh, for for two reasons. Number one, uh, my star of the week is in the Thursday night game. So I wanted to give like another one in case someone was listening to this Friday morning. They're like, well, thanks, Evan, for telling me to start a guy on Thursday night. And number two, uh, this guy is questionable for Thursday. And I guess I'm assuming he's playing. It's Devontae Adams, uh, but he is sick. So apparently it's not lock. I don't know. Um, you're probably not benching him, but Obviously, the the start Devontae Adams thing, it's not as obvious as it would have been two months ago. Like it, it's been a tough season. It's been a roller coaster. And it's one of those deals where it is not his doing. It is the situation around him. And his team just got beat three to zero in the lowest scoring indoor game of all time in NFL history last week. That that is a thing that happened. Um it's but the first three oh win since two thousand seven. Yeah, and that game, um, did you see any videos going around uh, what that game looked like? Was it a rainstorm? It was, it, it was 
a such a bad rainstorm. There's a video of a punt from that game that it just lands on the ground and just stops. Like it's like it landed oh. in the snow, but it's rain. So that's why it happened in that game. This game, it's just because the teams at the quarterbacks are brutal. But I'm still rolling Adams out there. And I, if he plays, Ill, like if he's okay, illness aside, I think this could be a blow up spot for Adams. He he has the good fortune of playing the Chargers, who are not good, only getting worse, like nothing but terrible things happening for the Chargers right now. They have given up the third most points to receivers this season. And it's not like Adams, even in a terrible offense, he's getting 10 targets. He, he's getting his eight to 10 targets. He's getting a massive target share. I, I'm just rolling them out there. And I think this is a potential boom spot for him. If we hear good reports on his health. And also this is a Jacoby Myers tweet too. You're, you're starting <laughs> Jacoby Myers this week as well. My next one, you know, the, the backup, if Adams isn't playing or just if you're hearing this on Friday morning, Saturday morning, whatever, is Chris Goblin, uh, another kind of stand in the flames kind of guy here. He's the wide receiver 39 uh, in fantasy pros consensus rank heading it like not on the season, but just in consensus rank for this week. And I, I would have him, higher than that you know they play green bay which by the numbers uh green bay has been pretty decent against receivers this year and i know like talk about a guy whose box score numbers have not been kind this year it is chris goblin he has not scored 10 points or more since week eight we are now in week 15 he's only had less than six targets one time in that stretch though and we did get a little bit of coach speak followed up by a little bit of action this last week. Uh, Todd Bull saying last week they they want to get him the ball more. They did it. He got 11 targets. The only problem was five receptions for 53 yards and no touchdowns. But it was a season-high 38% target share. I mean, the guys only scored one touchdown this season. Just the law of averages are on his side. And the good thing about the Bucks is they – as as they have in the last couple of years, but these guys have a very concentrated target tree. So it's it's those two guys and then a big gap and then the third guy. So you feel pretty good about the volume. I will say it's probably going to be not the highest A dot, but like Chris Goblin's awesome. He could very easily break a 40-yard catch, you know, on a three-yard reception. Like I'm rolling him out there over guys like Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Adam Thielen, CEH, Kenneth Walker, James Conner, all those guys are similar range or even ranked higher than him this week, and I'm putting them out there over those types of guys. I don't know if you saw this. Um, it would be excellent if this happened, um, but Drake London's blow-up game officially put him ahead of Chris Godwin and points scored <laughs> right now uh, in our, our preseason bet. But Chris I did not Godwin see that. has a blow-up game when you call him the start of the week. That could be very good for me. So yeah. I'm more than happy to see that outcome. And what what do you think about the Devontae Adams call? Like, are, are you just out on starting any Raiders? Or do you feel like that that is a nice spot for him if he's healthy and all things are going well? No, I have Devontae Adams in my semi in my quarterfinals matchup, my super flex league, and he's getting the start over yeah. like I mean, it's not a good name list of names like Tyler Boyd and a few yeah. other guys. Yeah, no, I but it's been it's been tough for both of these guys, uh, but I, I think both 
are pretty good options this week. I'll I'll go ahead and give you my my sit of the week though. It's a guy I just mentioned, a guy also on my team in our dynasty league, and that's James Conner. And this one, it it just feels bad because we've talked about this a lot. James Conner is playing, I, I think, almost certainly the best football of his career right now. It had been a little bit rough for a couple of weeks, but then he goes, you know, 25 carries over 100 yards against the Steelers, which again, not a great run defense, but they had TJ Watt. That is a good defense. And, you know, he, he was awesome. And probably most impressively about that, he faced a stacked box on 60% of his carries in that game, which was the most in the NFL during that week. But they're 13 point underdogs. They play the 49ers who have allowed the fewest rushing yards in the NFL. And I think there's something like the third, you know, they're sixth best in the league in fantasy points allowed to the running back position. You worry about the pass game volume for him. It hasn't been incredibly high this year. Michael Carter, I feel like, has been eating into that a little bit more even since he got there. Uh, imagine that. Michael Carter, actually, like, kind of a good player. Who? Wow, who, that's a who, burst. Who could have seen that coming? But, yeah, you, you worry about those things. And just he scored a touchdown against the Steelers, but the touchdowns, he, he had not scored a touchdown with Kyler in the lineup until that game Kyler has taken uh, some of those inside the five touchdowns that were going all to James Conner so it just all kind of adds up to me wanting to stay away if I can against a really tough matchup this week yeah I don't like that matchup at all against San Francisco they've been one of the best teams against the run even though he has bell cow status he's all the way down at 26th in expert consensus rankings Mm -hmm. and like you said, with Kyler Murray, not, they're also pushing the ball down the field, his reception totals yeah. and his in and out splits with and without Kyler Murray. It's, it's drastically lower with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is a good passer and isn't going to check down every step of the way. So I'm definitely pivoting where I can. You know, I would definitely do somebody who's had a couple of down weeks like Dondre Swift, uh, Brees Hall. I would start over him. Well, as long I'm, as as long as long Josh Jacobs plays, I would start Josh Jacobs over yeah. him. Uh, seemingly everybody for the Raiders is up in the air for tomorrow night. Um, Chuba Hubbard, another guy who, yeah. you know, bell cow status kind of quietly tw- 48 carries in the last two games, I believe. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, another guy who I think I would put in there. Uh, CEH, if there's no uh, no Isaiah Pacheco, either he or McKinnon. I- I'm not saying that's a slam dunk, but I would I would consider either of those guys over James Conner. That's kind of the neighborhood I'm thinking of him in. Yeah, this well, weekend. the Chiefs are a real smash spot considering their opponent this week, so at least we hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my start of the week's a similar vein as yours. Say um, the week. Say the week. Sorry, say the week. Uh, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, too, so we don't spend forever on it, but Gus the Bus. Uh, yeah. Last week was the week we, we'd been warning about where he was going to trot out there and be like monumentally devastating for yeah, and score and score two points because he doesn't have a touchdown. And Keaton Mitchell, yep. as I'm sure you're about to say, is getting more involved. Yep. So in snap count, it went Keaton Mitchell, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. They were all pretty even with Keaton Mitchell with the most opportunities. It was 11, 8, and 7 with Gus having 7. Uh, it, that was just not the time to play goal line gambler in your fantasy playoffs unless you are in a drastically like you snuck in on the hair of your chin and your team is so devastatingly bad that you need a three touchdown game from the one yard line. Uh, There's just no situation where you should be doing that. I would be hitting up the waivers guys that I put above him include chase Brown, 
the backup running back for the Bengals is somebody yeah. I would feel more confident about starting. Uh, Chubba Hubbard was another name, but he's doing much better. Devin Singletary or Damian Pierce are both players I would consider um, because I think the Ravens' plan is to continue to involve Keith Mitchell. and As they should. Him. Yeah. And the pass rate over expectation in the red zone for the Ravens has basically done an inverse over the last four weeks. Um, they have continued to pass more. Their offense is getting more comfortable under Todd Munkin over the course of the season. And it, you need points in your fantasy playoffs and you don't need duds. Uh, and I know that seems intuitive, but like this is just an easy player where your options, there is no 10-point outcome for Gus Edwards unless it's a touchdown. Uh, the only option of him scoring more than five points is if he gets a touchdown. He he just does not have that in him to break off some big runs on his eight touches and get you what you need. I will say um, I, I'm with it I because, like you said, we've kind of been warning that this was coming for Gus. Uh, but if you are in a spot where – because they play the Sunday night game, um, and then is, the, is there just one Monday night game this week? I think that's right. If you right. if you are choosing, I don't know what this scenario would. I'm trying to think of even what the player would be. Maybe it's Edwards versus A Flowers, even, or maybe it's Edwards versus I don't know who's somebody on the Eagle, like Tyler Lockett or JSN or just somebody like that. If you want to wait until that Sunday night and you just to see kind of what your team needs. Cause maybe you do need like what Dalton was saying. You got to pray for a 10 for 34 yards and three touchdowns game for Gus Edwards. But outside of waiting and needing a big home run swing, I, I'm not going out of my way to put him in my lineup by any means. Yeah. And the only situation where I would say that's even, I mean, unless there are flex considerations, but you're only the game after that team with Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Swift over him. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet over him. Uh, then you get into like Kenneth Gainwell, where I, I get, I guess that's an argument that can be made. Um, and then flex considerations, like it would be JSN against Gus Edwards would be the only one that I would even yeah. wonder about. I would probably lean towards JSN because he's more involved in the team's offense, even with Drew Locke at quarterback. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree that I would take both Seahawks guys so strongly over him. I, I think I would take Kenneth Walker. I'm not sure about Charbonnet. I just don't, I don't know how that split's going to work out, which is kind of scary. Yeah. At, le- at least I kind of know what my high end outcome could be with Gus. I'm not sure we even know that with both of those Seahawks guys. No, it's definitely not clear. I would agree with that. I would just be more trusting in some involvement from Sharp than I would be from Gus. Yeah, well, and both those guys are better players than than Gus. Watch it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the quarterback stream of the week. Dalton, I'll let you lead this one off. Um, so I want to just get this one off my chest. I couldn't do it because he's highly rostered now, and I was a little upset. Matthew Stafford. What? a season that man has had. He is so back to form and so fun to watch. This is the the Los Angeles Rams are the one team I'm cheering to make the playoffs. They are electric. They are fun on offense. They have the second highest implied point total of the week. If staff is on your waivers, you need to pick him up. Look, he's he's mine because full stop, like I I think he probably is on waivers or kind of more maybe to the point of that like 
I bet there are a lot of leagues where everybody has multiple quarterbacks. You're probably like you could be choosing between Stafford or Mahomes this week, and I'm taking Stafford. <laughs> I yeah. think uh, like so that that's why I have Stafford as mine. Well, I don't want to steal a lot of your thunder, so I'll let you give the rest of the Stafford uh, takes here. But absolutely electric and in love with his play as of mm-hmm. late. Yeah, um, I I mean I'll, I'll just do Stafford real quick then. Uh, he has three straight top eight finishes at quarterback, averaging like 24 points per game. Just lit up the Ravens defense, which is maybe the best in the NFL, second best, third best. Like they're somewhere up there. 293 yards and three touchdowns. I believe he is in the top three or four in passing touchdowns over that three-week stretch. Uh, and then he gets Washington this week, which is just a wonderful matchup for everybody involved there. Uh Kyron Williams, like you, that is a slam dunk. You are loving that spot for Kyron Williams. And for Matthew Stafford, they have given up 21.6 points per game to quarterbacks this year. That is second worst in the NFL. So this is a great spot. His weapons are all finally healthy. Um, And he is playing the best football uh, of the season, I think, these last couple of weeks. And there are just not a lot of quarterbacks you can trust where it's like, yeah, I, I get it. You probably can't just go pick him up off of waivers, but I'm choosing him, oh, like, again, maybe over Josh Allen, probably over Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm trying Since to... week 10, Mahomes is the QB 16, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. Like, pretty, pretty dark. Me, like, I'll just pull up the quarterback list. Like, <laughs> like CJ Stroud just scored 3.6 points if he plays. Uh... And he's without Nico. That's already confirmed. So they're, they're playing with the Bryce Young crew. Yeah, he already doesn't have Tank Dell either, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I think Stafford is, like, if I were doing rankings, QB three or four for me this week. Yeah. Uh, love it. Um, love Stafford. Love you put him there. Uh, his splits with Kyron Williams on and off the field, he has a five to four with Kyron off the field and touchdowns to picks. With Kyron on the field, he has a 2.5 touchdown interception ratio. It's just so much better for their offense with Kyron there. Um, and because um, we know McVeigh is like play action maestro, yeah, exactly. And they're they're blocking. Uh, that guy that took out a TCU, Alex Avila, the rookie, has been doing a, a stellar job. Mm-hmm. He has protections, and like you said, uh, they just took it toe to toe against the Ravens, who are the cream of the crop of the AFC, and now they're going against the bottom dwellers of the NFC. So, strong matchup for him. Um, perfect time for him to blow up your fantasy playoffs and win you a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my streaming QB of the week is not as exciting as Matthew Stafford. It is none other than Joe Burrow's heir apparent in Jake Browning. <laughs> uh, guy has been stellar through two games, so much so that some people are whispering that Joe Burrow is a system quarterback. <laughs> if I, by some people you mean you responded to one person on Twitter and said that, then then yes, some correct. people are saying uh, that. that. I am a person, and I'm some. Uh, he plays Minnesota, who is the 10th worst defense against quarterbacks this year. Let's uh, talk about, man. Minnesota just shut out the Raiders last week. Congratulations. <laughs> um, looking, it's just, I, I don't know if you've looked at expert consensus rankings um, for this week. It's pretty bad after QB5, I would say. Um, it's Mahomes is six, Stafford, Fields, Love, Wilson is 10. Sam Howell's 11. They have our boy, Jake Browning, all the way down at 17 below Baker Mayfield, which I disagree with. Uh, but since being in the NFL, he's post, he posted the best QBR last week. 
He's posted the second best QBR in his last two starts. Uh, he's moving the ball down the field. His ADA is 11.7, so he's throwing it deeper. Uh, he's not afraid to test defenses, and he just has a world-class athlete in Jamar Chase. We saw it with Jamar Chase's touchdown, where it really wasn't Jake Browning throwing it two weeks ago. It was Jamar Chase beating the cornerback uh, on a just on go route. And you have that every week, and he can blow up you up for your matchups, but I don't think he's going to struggle to put up at least some points. What makes me a little I, – I, I don't dislike this call, but what does make me a little bit nervous is like they are – dialing the hell out of the screen game right now. Yes. And it is it is working really, really well. And just what happens if you can take some of those layups uh, away from this offense well, and away, been, away from Jake Browning? I'm actually really glad you brought this up because okay. my last point, it's like we're playing T-ball and you just put the ball in the game <laughs> for me. Uh, the Minnesota offense runs cover zero at the highest in the NFL. Yes, and over the their, last their defense, it, their offense also yeah. might too. But. Yes, uh, Brian Flores doesn't have players on that defense, so he's playing hero ball and doing some weird blitzes. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they're running cover zero so much, they're going up against a team that over the last two weeks has the third highest screen percentage behind only the Chiefs and the 49ers. That's good because if anybody's played Madden, you know you want to cover zero blitz on a screen <laughs> because the rushers will run unimpeded to the quarterback, but they just get it off to uh, the running back wide receiver, whoever the screen game is going to, which is why I think he could be in a blow-up spot to get a couple of big plays out of the screen game. That is a fair point, but if you know that and I know that, probably Brian Flores knows that. So hopefully he doesn't just do that the entire game, but sometimes these guys are stubborn. So that, you know, we just don't know. And I just don't think the Minnesota defense is good when they have to play normal coverages. Um, no. They just don't have the personnel for it right now. So I'm hoping that if they sit back in their base defense personnel, they just get picked apart down the field. And then Brian Flores runs a couple of cover zeros in the third quarter. We blow it up. By the way, how this season is going for uh, T. Higgins is he has two catches for 74 yards, like pretty good. You're at least like not – he is not killing you if he does that. Did you see the touchdown he had called back? Uh, the one where he hardly shoved a corner. Yeah, the, like just the softest DPI. It's like what? What are we? Or OPI? It's like don't don't. The officiating I, in the NFL I, has. Been. I was gonna say I don't even want to get started on the officiating. Yeah. But how is that an OPI when you see some of the other like some sometimes? And when I say sometimes, I mean almost all the time. It takes practically murdering a guy to get called for OPI, yeah. but we're calling that like let T Higgins fantasy managers have a 15 point day, please. It, it was terrible. I agree. <laughs> All right, Evan, who do you have as your streaming defense? Before we get into that, we do have a handful of questions uh, in chat. We can, we can just pop, pop over and answer those. Then go streaming defenses uh, Tua or Justin Fields this week, Dalton. Oh, uh, I am. 1,000% going with Justin Fields. Uh, my concern, I know Tyreek Hill said he's playing. We saw a half of what that offense looks like for that Tyreek Hill, and it's pretty pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then in addition to that, I'm not a big fan of their matchup against the Jets. The, that Jets defense has been pretty nails. They have two strong cornerbacks. And- yeah, I mean, C.J. Stroud was l- under 50% completion percentage and 94 yards through yeah. three quarters and change before he got concussed. And the the Jets' entire um, weakness is 
the run game. So if anybody's going to have a good day, it's A-Chain and Mostert, depending on who plays and who's healthy. I'm with you on Fields, which that reminds me. I forgot to ask. A little little fun name game uh, with Jake Browning. Jake Browning or Kyler Murray versus San Francisco for you this week? Ooh. I'm probably going Jake Jake Browning. Um, it's been like Kyler Murray has not been fully Kyler Murray yet. No. It had, Which isn't uh, surprising because he tore his ACL no, like a, about exactly a year ago. No and, hate on the guy, but yeah. Against that 49ers defense, I would I would probably take Jake Browning, which tells us where we're at. Yep, I, I agree with you. Um, okay, next question. Uh, we'll, we'll skip to George Play's second question here, and then we'll go back to you, Chandler. Uh, for the flex in a non-PPR league, Ty Chandler, Keaton Mitchell, JSN, Jalen Waddle, or Jalen Warren? Brother, you are choosing between, I think, your entire roster – for this bit, although I can relate, this is like how my decisions go every week, which is really hard. It makes it impossible to to be right in this situation. Uh, Ty Chandler, I mean, Matt Madison is I'm trying to even remember. I, I've like blacked out that Vegas, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota game. It, it did Madison get hurt at some point in that game? He did, right? He did, yeah. Is Ty Chandler's, he, it could be the start of this week. It's it's not confirmed if Madison's out. Well, okay. Let me see if Alexander Mass what his status is. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, we we talked about him, you know, a little bit. I like Mitchell. The matchup is like, you know, pretty average. The Jags are not a terrible or a great matchup. JSN back to back mispractices for Madison. Mm. I if I okay. was looking at this, I would be between Waddle and Warren. All things considered, but and... what if if Madison doesn't play, doesn't elevate him into that group for you? Uh, not with Nick Mullen starting a quarterback. For that's fair. Year. So, with Waddle, does it help or hurt if Tyreek Hill does not play? I think we saw it. It's I, I'd say it's a net like it's a neutral outcome. Yeah, uh, it'll just be different in, instead yeah. of an explosive here, here or there. It may look well. His rookie year was better than this year, but it may look more like his rookie year where he goes. Nine targets for eighty yards. Yeah, not nine for sixty. <laughs> yeah, and in a non PPR, it's not super helpful to you. I would lean Warren in this matchup. Uh, it's just it hasn't been there as of late. No, and they haven't been giving him a, as many touches. And also, they've been running the ball terribly, and their yeah. offense is just terrible. So, yes. I, I think I'm going Jalen Waddle here because I think he against has the, those Jets DBs. Yeah, I, I I just think Waddle is is still like he's good enough that he's gonna have his wins against those DBs. They're gonna get the better of him sometimes, but he he will have his fair share of wins. It's just about can Tua find him and can Tua have it blocked up well enough to give him time to find him. Yeah, I guess my my leaning towards Warren comes down to they play the Colts and the Colts have run so many plays that it means that the offense they play ends up running a lot of plays because the game plays out faster. Never underestimate like how many times Mitchell Trubisky can go three and out and make that yeah. untrue. I will never underestimate when Mitchell Trubisky needs <laughs> two yards, he will throw it 70 yards to nobody. <laughs> All right. Another question from Chandler. With Keenan Allen out, which is another guy I didn't even mention on Thursday. Man, this Thursday night game is going to be so atrocious. Oh, my God. Might even be worse than worse than Patriots uh, Steelers last week. That game was fun. Yeah, I, well, I didn't watch it, so I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> with Keenan Allen out, do you like Johnson? I'm assuming that's Deontay, uh, Calvin Ridley, or Terry McLaurin. Boy, th- 
this I do not envy you, Chandler. And this is PPR, by the way. I do not envy you because these are three, uh, like these three guys are basically the same. They're all good players, and they've all been so incredibly up or down that any of them can completely tank your week this week. Like uh, Terry McLaurin just scored zero points in his, in his last game. Calvin Ridley has had many a game where he has scored uh, fewer than five points. And I do worry about Ridley this week against those physical Ravens corners. That seems like the archetype of corner that has given him the most trouble. I think I'm going Terry McLaurin against the Rams in this one. I'm going Deontay Johnson against the Colts. Uh, expected fantasy point or sorry, fantasypoints.com has the Indianapolis Colts as the fifth worst defense against wide receiver ones. Uh, I, I thought you were about ready to read expected fantasy points for Deontay Johnson. No, no, I was gonna be like, bro, we've worse. been we've been on two years for that. I, I know, I hear um, you, I hear and, you, I understand. And uh, just going back, same thing with the Jalen Ward point because the Colts play fast, I expect more plays in the game. Uh, and you, you're rolling the dice with all three of those. Deontay does have a touchdown in two games. Uh, and, I mean, it's it's just the best matchup. With whatever they're doing in Washington where they just don't target their best players, it's very frustrating. That's true. I'm looking at Fantasy Pro's consensus right now. It is 26 Ridley, 28 McLaurin, and 30 Deontay Johnson. So, you know, this is really, really a dart throw. Um, Someone say not ideal. Yeah, not, not ideal spot. Uh, last question from Mr. Grapefruit, 10-team PPR, Keaton Mitchell or Tajay Spears rest of season? And just in case you were curious, he has Tony Pollard, Kyron Williams, and Dante Foreman at running back. As much as I love Tajay, I'm going Keaton. Yeah, I think you have to just because the the volume potential is is higher with, with the way things stand. Yeah. And I've seen uh, – everybody's seen the charts where, like, explosive run rate – and yards per carry like Devon a chain is breaking the chart uh right behind him is keaton mitchell mm-hmm. and we've seen that any running back in that offense can blow up because they run inside the five frequently uh so i would trust keaton mitchell and if he takes even two carries inside the five away from gus you have a very high chance of having a solid week and unlike gus he gets plays outside the 20s which is yeah. very important yeah and uh I, I think the the thing with with these guys here is you're if you need the start at one of those two you're starting Keaton Mitchell, but if Derrick Henry were to go down, you're starting Tajay Spears over everybody else except for Kyron Williams. Like yeah. that, that's how high up he elevates on that list. Yeah, and if you're playing like the I'm holding one of these hoping somebody gets hurt, then it's the inverse. My advice would be Tajay Spears. Yeah, if you're if you're, but I don't think you're looking because if you're dropping one of these guys, it's the last guy I mentioned, Dante Foreman. So I don't think he needs to drop anybody. But yeah, if if, if in that scenario you did have to drop somebody, uh, you're you're dropping Keaton Mitchell. But also like there's probably a receiver you can like. Like kind of like we talked about last week on the on the playoff advice show, you're holding those types of running backs, those lottery tickets. Like if Gus goes down, even though Keaton Mitchell is the like the, ahead of him, kind of the starter right now, all of a sudden that could open up touchdown equity and make him uh, a top fifteen type of running back, and yeah. and that's worth holding on to. And then obviously we we know what Tajay Spears could possibly be if something were to happen to Derrick Henry. Yep, I agree. All right. 
Now we are back to streaming defenses, and I'm going right back to the game that Matthew Stafford is in. I'm going with the Rams, and I'm going with the Rams for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do think that this is uh, this is definitely a defense that you can get on probably any waiver wire. Like if you haven't already had waivers, you could have picked them up um, because they just played the Ravens and. Nobody was starting them against the Ravens. And again, they get Washington, which is just like, just a great matchup. I know, I know that Washington is very capable of scoring points, but you're probably saying, hey, Evan, like, I know it started off really bad for Sam Howell this year, but he's been playing better, right? He just threw for 127 yards and a blowout loss uh, before the bye week. We mentioned zero points for Terry McLaurin in that game. He did throw for 300 yards, but only scored 10 points, put up 10 points on the scoreboard against Dallas. He threw three picks against the Giants uh, the week before that. He's been sacked at least three times in all but one game this year. Now, that is one thing that's getting better. He's not getting sacked five, six nine times like he did against the bills he's that isn't happening as much anymore but it is still three to four sacks every game like clockwork except for one game this season so like you're giving me aaron donald against this guy who's been sacked 58 times this year you have the potential for three to four sacks strip sack you know interceptions like pick six uh scoop and score there is there is very much a high ceiling play with this team. And then if you're looking for a pretty available defense and then looking ahead, even they play the saints and the giants the next two weeks after this one. It's a pretty cake matchup going into your fantasy playoffs. Uh, I like the comparison Sam Howell's been getting, which he is Jameis Winston again, where (laughs) if you're a box score watcher, a lot of the time you're probably like, huh, you had a pretty good game. If you watch him play, he's a QB six right now. Yeah. But if you watch him play, you're like, I don't know if that guy's good. I don't. I don't think he is. Uh, uh, but they pass a lot, so he has some nice padding stats. And their defense is so bad; they're always in games where they have to throw a lot. And like you alluded to, he is a good does a good job at getting sacked and throwing turnovers. And both of those positively correlate to higher scoring game scripts because defenses give their offenses better opportunities. And then finally, uh, in all of that. Uh, the Rams defense is pretty electric. They played Lamar pretty tight. Lamar's mm. years ahead of uh, wherever Sam Howell's at. I'll he is like trajectory. multiple lifetimes ahead. Ha- yes. Sam Howell would have to be reborn again like three times to yes. catch up. To, and to probably Lamar. not go to UNC again. So, yeah, <laughs> all of it's there. Uh, I like that one. In the same vein, uh, my defense, I kind of looked at a streaming defense for your playoffs. Uh-huh. And this one you might not even start this week, but I don't mind the matchup despite them being pretty low in consensus rankings. I went with the Denver Broncos, who since – they got you, seven. You're gonna points. have to convince me of this one because they play at Detroit, right? They do. They do. Are, 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 are you aware of Jared Goff's home road splits? This I, I'm fully aware. That's why this is a full playoff look at what we're doing here. Okay. Um, so since they got 70 drop on them, they're fourth in DVOA. They've been electric. They're second in the NFL in turnover margin. That's such a funny sentence, but it's true. Since it's they true. had 70 points scored on yes. them, they are fourth in DVOA. <laughs> Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to figure out your self-worth. Uh, and they're second in the NFL in turnover margin since then. 
and they've played pretty consistently fantasy point outings. They're seventh in the NFL since that 70 burger got dropped on them. Uh, crazy thing, if you have defenses in your leagues, they didn't even go negative in most leagues. I was looking at splits against the Miami Dolphins. Really? Uh, yeah, because there were turnovers and they're like three sacks in the game. Just defensive scoring is so stupid. Yeah. So that and the Lions offense hasn't been quite as good going forward. Part of that is the splits. Part of that is I think we're kind of seeing the same Jared Goff career arc we saw in Los Angeles where he is really good because his coordinator is really good. And then suddenly as people start to catch on to the tips and the tricks of that offense, you quickly batten down the hatches against those and Jared Goff does they're, not know. Their their rush over expected their their rush attempts over expected is like leading the NFL over the last three weeks because they are currently kind of scared of him. I, but that that is the thing that scares me about starting uh, starting the Broncos defense this week is that they've been so good on the uh, or so good at home and so terrible on the road. But you do at least have, even if they put up points, you definitely have turnover potential as we've seen for the last month. Well, and part of why I'm advising you to pick up the Denver Broncos is because most people aren't considering them this week against the Detroit Lions, but then they end it with Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. And I mean, yeah. those are, first of all, this is a team that somehow, some way is playing for a playoff spot, it's playing for the AFC West uh, at, yeah. for matter of fact, and they're playing really solid defense. That defense has figured it out and they ended against three backup quarterbacks who are, I mean, objectively terrible quarterbacks. Easton stick is the name of a hockey stick, not of an NFL quarterback. You know, there, there's no way to predict this. But I'm just telling you, one of those three games, one of those teams is going to beat the Broncos like 31 to 17. I don't yeah. know when it's going to happen, but it, that, that's just the NFL, and more specifically, that's just the NFL this year. <laughs> and you are probably right. Easton Stick throwing Quentin Johnston for 150 yards of two touchdowns is going to be the, the the Los Angeles Chargers matchup or something. But yeah, that's who I'm I'm shooting for this week. Uh, I think it's a good start and they'll they'll be somebody you can count on through the playoffs. All right, let's move on to some big picture storylines that we're going to be watching throughout these playoffs, Dalton. And I'll go ahead and start with what I think is probably one of the bigger stories in the real NFL right now, but I think has plenty of fantasy trickle downs, but mainly just obviously at the quarterback position is how high can Dak Prescott climb on draft boards next year? If he keeps playing mostly like this, he may not keep this up, but if he keeps playing extremely well, which like they punted one time on Sunday night and it was the first time since Thanksgiving day that they punted that, that that's how good this offense has been. Like you start thinking ahead to 2024 and you kind of look at quarterback rankings now, obviously, all the like there's going to be free agency draft. These offenses will look different. Maybe we'll feel great about the Chiefs offense and there's no problem. Like, oh, yeah, Mahomes right back up there at QB1-2. Like Josh Allen, you know, QB1-2. Lamar Jackson, you, you feel good about him right now. Probably feel good about him again next year. But there's just a lot of it feels like uncertainty at the top. There really hasn't been. You know, Joe Burrow is hurt right now. Um and Dak is kind of in a position to take advantage of that going into the next season when you're thinking about redraft and just dynasty value uh, going forward. 
he hasn't thrown a pick in a month. This is the guy who led the NFL in interceptions last year. Hasn't thrown a pick in a month. And since that San Francisco game, he is the QB one and his finishes go QB one, three, two, one, 17, three, three, 14. And that 14 was against the Eagles, but he played great in that game. It's just, he didn't have, you know, as electric of a fantasy day, he's QB three on the season. And, you know, QB one since that San Fran game and points per game and total points. I should add, like, it is just all working for Dak. And again, talk about the unpredictability of the season. We all laughed at Mike McCarthy taking over the offense and installing his West Coast and and letting Kellen Moore, this offensive guru, walk out the door. I don't think anybody could have seen what has become of that, but this offense is operating at about as high a firepower as it possibly could, especially kind of given the the Tony Pollard of it all that we've talked about this year. But, like, I don't know, man. If – I just keep an eye on some of those situations for those other elite quarterbacks. And if Dak closes well, he's going to be uncomfortably high for me on draft boards because I, my opinion of him has not really changed in these last few weeks because I, like I, I probably thought he got too much hate last year. And now I probably don't think he's as good as some people think he is. Like, I think he's a good, but not great. Like he's like the sixth or seventh or eighth best quarterback in the NFL. I'm a little bit. Evan Dalton debates two years that, ago. That's yeah, right. That, that's like right. QB two or something. Yeah. Uh, and turned out being wrong. Uh, yeah. Well, he also, oh yeah, no, that was wrong. Sorry. It was the next year he got hurt. Or the year yeah. before that he got hurt. Yeah. One of the two. Um, yeah. I'm pretty, it, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds, even going into the playoffs because uh, Mike McCarthy's game management is probably going to cost them a playoff game. <laughs> game and they're going to lose the game and it's going to look like it's Dak's fault when it's not. Uh, the, the interesting thing I believe Brandon Cooks on a one-year deal, and I know he hasn't been like a fantasy superstar. He certainly turned it on recently, but he, it's given them a ability they haven't had previously, which they can let CD get these double coverages and say, fine, we'll throw it outside to Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. We'll use Jake Ferguson up the seam, and it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds if they keep Cooks, if they draft wide receiver, if they bring someone else in the room. Um, but if they continue to utilize CD Lamb like this, which lo and behold, utilizing your best wide receiver seems to work for a lot of offenses, yeah. um, then they're going to keep climbing up the draft boards. I think, I mean, going into next year, I don't know what the offseason discourse can be on Dak, but but positive. They don't lose any of their starting linemen unless one of them retires this offseason. And I don't think anybody's coming after Schottenheimer as the OC for Dallas. Yeah. And Mike McCarthy's not going anywhere. Um, so well, it's like if they let Tony Pollard walk, keep Rico Dowdle, and you know maybe they sign somebody or they draft somebody, you don't feel any worse about their no. running back room. And by the way, that's like a full blown committee at this point right now. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. It'll be an interesting storyline to see unfold. And if Dak keeps up that like wild tear he's been on since their bye week. Yeah. Yep. All right. What's your first one? Uh, I am getting into rookie quarterback watch for the teams that could potentially draft them because things are getting pretty hairy just to give everybody the top. I went with the top eight draft order. Cause there are some swing teams where I don't know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Chicago, then new England, who I think is drafting quarterback, Arizona, Chicago, Vegas, Jets, Giants. I don't think the top two quarterbacks, Drake may Caleb Williams make it out of the top eight. Ideally they don't make it out of the top four. I mean, I but- don't think they're making it outside of the top. 
two, probably, maybe three. Like maybe maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. go goes two overall or something. But I I I like I, I think even if like there will be a trade if the team that is first or yeah. second doesn't want to take quarterback like last year. And I can see that. I just can't project who would trade who. Right. So I'm just looking at the environments. Uh but it could be like a team that is like one of those top eight, like the seventh yeah. pick is trading up. Uh, my my first and biggest concern looking forward is whoever goes to New England, it's going to be an entire offseason of, well, look what happened to Bryce Young. Bryce Young went to a crappy team with crappy coaching and crappy weapons, and all of it cost probably, I'm not going to say it lost a year of development, but it's not a good year. I mean, I honestly, like you could, you could probably make that case. And at, as you say that out loud, like I don't think that's a crazy – concern to have now can you just say x happened so y will then happen no because yeah. number one i think both these guys are better prospects than than mm-hmm. bryce young was and number two like that that's just not how it works you yeah. know, we we never know like we did not think carolina would be this bad maybe no. the patriots will be better than we think you know like, well, or whoever it is the, whoever goes to new england is going to take a dip in rankings i mean one their their wide receiver core is a pr- pretty terrible like their best wide receiver might be Demario Douglas, the six round pick from Liberty. Definitely is, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not—he's just not—he's a, a good player. He's not a wide receiver one. No. And then I—I I don't know. I think I sent this to you this morning, but it looks like Bill Belichick's gone. Uh, there were some reports this morning. I don't—I I don't know the veracity of those claims, but they were being reported by people who aren't just random accounts on Twitter. Um, so those are both concerning factors. And the offensive line has not been a good offensive line by any means. Uh, so first concern is whichever quarterback ends up in New England. Second concern, which I think is equally concerning in play, is if Arizona or Chicago draft quarterback and keep their current quarterbacks and we get a year of the rookie sitting on the bench. Uh, and then if not, you have Vegas taking a quarterback, which I'm if, watching. If if Vegas keeps their team intact now – if I'm Devontae Adams, I am breaking down that GM's door and telling him, get me the bleep out of here now. Like, you, like you, maybe he tried that at the deadline. It didn't work. I, I am going a step further than, than I did yeah. the deadline if, if I'm him. But if that room or if that offense stays intact, like, you have Devontae Adams. You have Jacoby Myers. Like, Michael Meyer, pr- pretty solid player. Maybe Josh Jacobs is back. Maybe he's not. Like, there is an ecosystem in place from a personnel standpoint for a quarterback to succeed. Can they get the coach? Obviously, that is always TBD with, with yeah. Vegas. Uh, but I, unfortunately, I'm going to subject myself to watching those games the rest of the season and determining <laughs> which teams look better. Now, a lot of things can change uh, in the offseason. It's, it's a good free agency class at yeah. receiver. Like It wouldn't be the most surprising thing. I don't know what the cap space looks like for these teams. And it's so fluid in the NFL. They can renegotiate. So I don't want to try and figure out who has cap space right now, but I just will say the Patriots clearly are a team that has spent in the past. Mm -hmm. They could just spend wiser this time around and give Michael Pittman or give T Higgins a mega offer along with a quarterback first or second overall. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Ramondre Stevenson, T Higgins, Caleb Williams. Like that looks good. We're, we're, we're kind of cooking here. Um, so just watching those game teams, how they play out, what the coaching staffs are doing with what they have, and if those are exciting things or if they're being hard-nosed coaches who refuse to make changes with their personnel, all of those things I would be concerned about. I, 
you could not have transitioned me any better into my second one, hard-nosed coaches. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's ask ourselves this. Does Drake Ritter do – Desmond Ritter, sorry. He doesn't even deserve to uh, to have That's his name. first name said correctly on this podcast. Does Desmond Ritter do enough to earn the job in 2024? Now, I think the answer to most people would be no. He, al- he already should not. But this is Arthur Smith talking about here. And this obviously has very little from a fantasy standpoint to do with Ritter. You're not interested in him out of the – He was QB3 last week. outside of the deepest dynasty or super flex leagues you're not interested in starting him or even like Bijan. i don't think it changes Bijan. well if they get better it'll help Bijan. but you know Bijan's Bijan. he's a running back uh even kyle pitts like he's starting to look better but what i'm really honed in on here is drake london who just went for 10 for 172, still zero touchdowns, by the way. Can we just get the man three touchdowns somehow in the last month of this season? Did you uh, see his one catch for 40 yards yes. where he literally broke off the cornerback to make yeah. – it was a poorly thrown ball by Ritter, and he just did all the work for Ritter. Yes. Um, every year there's at least one or two really good receivers who are just trapped in hell. And Drake London is – because, like – Obviously, Garrett Wilson, you expect Aaron Rodgers probably back next year. And, you know, we'll see what that looks like. That's a little unknown. But Drake London is the one where it's just like you can't really see an end in sight unless they decide to move off of Ritter. And maybe they do. Like, they just lost to Tampa Bay the other day. I think uh, per the New York Times tracker, they're like in a 25% chance to make the playoffs right now. This is year three for Arthur Smith. This is also year three that he's decided – to not have a serious quarterback. So that's kind of what you get. But I just, I really would like things to go a certain way and convince this franchise to either get a new coach or convince that new coach that, hey, this is my make or break year. I have to go get a quarterback. And it, it's not going to be a top of the market quarterback, but you I'd could love go to see Kirk Cousins. You could go find, yes, you could go find a better quarterback than, than what they've had. And like, we just saw how good Drake London could be in even an okay environment. That dude is a bona fide stud. He is just like trapped with maybe no way out if Ritter does enough down the stretch to convince them, okay, we're going to run it back one more year. Yeah, this is a team in a six and seven tie for first in the NFC South. <laughs> um, uh, pretty terrible. Uh, but I, I'm with you 100%. I hope Ritter doesn't show that he has anything and he is gone and I hope his counterpart in Arthur Smith is equally gone. Uh, And I will do nothing but cheer for the Falcons to lose every game to unleash the fantasy gold mine that exists in, in Atlanta. I mean, you have Bijan, Cal Pitts and you have obviously Drake London and right there, some of the three best skill position players in the NFL, all of them are borderline fantasy sits every week because yeah. the offensive coaching environment and the uh, QB playing, uh, I don't know who they finish out their 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 season against. Let me look real quick. Yeah, they finish out against the Panthers this week. Oh man, they're going to make playoffs. They go, <laughs> they go Panthers, Colts, Bears, Saints. So, uh, cheer- I mean, here's the thing: they're going no better than two and two. I would not be surprised at one and three. Yeah, in that I, I hope that's the case. Um, 
absolutely with you on it, though. Uh, Desmond Ritter playing poorly to end it would be great. Uh, and even if – I mean, they're going to have a mid to late pick because of their, their draft order. But yeah. if the Falcons get somebody even like Jaden Daniels, I know he's getting into the first-round conversation. Yeah, uh, Michael Penix Jr. Hi, higher than that, I, I think Daniels, I, I think on the Athletics' most recent mock was like the 12th pick or 8th pick yeah. or something. I mean, like I'd that. be happy for Bo Nix at this point. And <laughs> we, just need, we just need a baseline competency that has yes. not existed yes. in that room. And – you know, Bryce Young, I know we just slandered your name, your team's name, everything earlier in this podcast. If you could just do us this one favor and ball out this week and beat the Falcons, that would go a long way. To I'll achieving- rank you in my top 18. <laughs> that would go a long way in achieving <laughs> – what we all want so badly. You would make your division rival better through subtraction. That's not, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Uh, All right. Going on to my uh, next topic here. Uh, I'm doing a late season bell bell cow check on a couple of teams because these teams for the most part are gearing up for next year. Uh, Starting with the Los Angeles chargers. I think it's pretty clear Austin Eckler's not it anymore. No, he's just not that guy. He, he, did, he, he did just have probably his best game in, in weeks, but, but yes. Um, but we came into that game, the coaching staff saying they were going to play the hot hand. The hot hand very much evaporated because Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller, I mean, they're not good either. This week mm-hmm. uh, I was listening to The Athletic and they had the beat reporter for – the Chargers on, he was saying undrafted free agent Elijah Dotson. Sounds like he's going to get some playing time this week. Uh, so I'm watching what's going on in Los Angeles, knowing full well that if they don't find it in one of these three guys, their free agent acquisition or their draft pick are likely going to be used at some point on a running back and that there's a new bell cow in town and that it's going to be a valuable position because in spite of everything, Justin Herbert is a good to above average quarterback at least. And this Chargers team on paper is a good team, which every year. But <laughs> what matters is that when the coaching carousel comes around, and I also expect Brandon Staley to be fired, that coaching carousel, they're going to have a good pick of the coaching staffs because they are a team that should be able to compete for playoffs in year one of that coach. And you would think that they are a a wide receiver in the first round. Well, I don't know. They they have probably a lot of things they, they need to fix, but wide receiver is something that really scares me for this team next year. Keenan Allen, he's good, but he's another year older. Mike Williams uh, is coming off yet another very bad knee. injury on the same knee. We'll see what he's like going forward. We we all know what we think about Quentin Johnston around here. Uh, we talked and then about Josh that. Palmer playing last week, like Josh Palmer. There's the other deep threat, Jalen Guyton. Uh, yeah. Like there's guys that none of them are good. There's there's just not much there. Um, so that also that makes it interesting. It's like, well, they probably aren't gonna if they draft a receiver first round. Are they really gonna draft a running back like second or third round? If they don't do that. How excited are you about potential bell cow they get in the fourth or fifth round? Obviously, depends on the prospect. Uh, yeah. if they would have taken, let's just say, Tajay Spears in the you know, whatever fourth round, like we're running through the wall because we're so excited about it. But you know, they they could be a team that 
the bell cow role is up for grabs. There's nobody worth the bell cow role on, on that team next year. Or maybe they go sign somebody. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they sign uh, – maybe Killamore is still there and they bring in Tony Pollard. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next team out of bell cow check on, Washington football team. It's clearly Brian Robinson. My question is he – I don't think he's playing this week. It really looks like he's trending out. Uh, how the player – I think it's Gibson. Could be Chris Rodriguez, an uh, undrafted free agent out of Kentucky. If one of those guys comes in there and is a bell cow and does equal or close to what Brad Robinson has been doing – uh, I, I have some concerns going into the offseason about whether it was system or player skill. So just watching that game, seeing what comes of it, uh, moving down the list. My I, I, my antenna is a lot more up for the rookie because I think Antonio Gibson is just dead to me until he's, he's not in Washington yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, he'll be a this year, but whether yeah. or not they bring someone in and, and it turns into a, a skill debate, not just a system debate. Yeah. Uh, next, I have Miami. Uh, I think I can safely say Mostert's not there next year. Maybe I'm wrong. He'll be 32. Uh, and even if he is, you like this year has only happened this year for Raheem yes. Mostert. Yes, this is the outlier. Um, so I'm watching a chain going into the playoffs. I am not like an injury prone small guy like believer, but it is really concerning that a chain. All of the knocks that were on him was that he's too small, and he is consistently getting hurt in his rookie season. And because of that, they have basically split down the line on him and Mostert are healthy. So one, if there's a Mostert injury, I want to see what they're doing with this situation. If they're going to give A-Chain full reigns, if he can handle full reigns, uh, because I know going into next season, a long-term debate is going to be, well, A-Chain was hyper-efficient on low number of touches, which means he either has to be hyper-efficient again or he has to get more touches. And I really don't think Miami and McDaniel want to do that. The The thing is, though, you can't have an offense where you you need somebody to run between the tackles, and yep. that's not how he was hyper-efficient. So just watching how Miami ends the year, how they go into the playoffs, how they utilize those players, I think Chris Brooks was a very interesting player on that team. He's on IR right now. Um, but he is there between the tackles player. Uh, and then the last bell cow team I'm watching is Denver. Uh, Javante Williams has just gone under the radar all season. He fought, he scored his first touchdown last week. And that's part of it. <laughs> and this is a playoff hopeful Denver, and Javante is finally looking better. And I just want to see if the home stretch is going to be 70, 75% snap shares for Javante. And if we can go into next year feeling confident that Sean Payton has his guy, or if P. Ryan, McLaughlin, somebody else are going to always be there working into his role and we just don't get that hyper-efficient usage we want. Well, and that's kind of what we talked about with Javante before the season. It's like we we kind of thought that best case, he's a guy that that comes on late as he gets healthier and then you hope that you're feeling really good about him heading into 2024. Yep. So, yeah, he, he will be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. So those are kind of my bell cows I'm watching the rest of the season. I don't know. who. Do you, what, what's your next storyline? My last one here is will a Packers wide receiver separate? And I know this is this is kind of a, a funny title to this one because I, I don't mean like literally, although it would be nice if Romeo Dubs or, and, and Christian Watson could actually separate. Um Christian Watson, anything outside of like deep overs and verticals. Um, but we've talked about Jaden Reed a lot. W- would you be surprised to know that between weeks 11 and 14, which by the way, this also 
takes this is only when players are active. So but Watson is not getting dinged for not playing and when he played. Weeks 11 to 14, it was Jaden Reed, not Christian Watson, that had the highest target share on this team. It was it was, wild. It, it was very slight. It was like 20 point something to 19 point something. But we're slowly seeing Reed work his way into more volume. And I'm not even saying, oh, the takeover is here. I, I am curious how he's used down the stretch. Now, he just played without Watson. He had a season-high 10 targets and 8 receptions. The problem was that went for 27 yards. He did have four carries for 38 yards and scored a rushing touchdown. Not too many receivers are getting 12 touches per game. So just something to watch going forward. The the thing that is a little bit strange and maybe, you know, we talk about this a lot with rookies, like maybe like there are, there are guys that, you know, they have X role one year and like, there's a very set plan. And it's like, okay, next year, or maybe even it is down the stretch of the season we slowly start to give him more. I'm curious to see if they give Jaden Reed more because it is he has been an underneath gadget guy all year. And I think, you know, the scouting report kind of on him out of college was he's one of the few guys in that class at receiver that can kind of do everything at the position. It was kind but he's of, one of the best route runners. Yeah, he one of the best. played on a Michigan State team that had terrible quarterback play. One of the best route runners and one of the few guys who could play inside, outside. You know, he could go deep. He can get open, you know, kind of in, a, in an elevator or in a phone booth, excuse me, over the middle. Um, it was kind of he, Josh Downs, and Zay Flowers mm-hmm. were, were the three guys. And so I'm just curious if, if we see – any role expansion for him. And then just Christian Watson, you know, the guy had, do we have a train like go, going by you right now? What is happening? We do. We do. Okay. That's, that's the, uh, Jaden Reed train all aboard. <laughs> is that a new train? I have never heard that or have ever Me seen neither. a train near your place of residence. He, he, he does live right by a, where trains go. I can't attest to that, but I have yet to hear one on the podcast before. So anyway, Christian Watson did have back-to-back top 10 finishes at receiver before he got hurt in the KC game, but he also had a month straight before that where he was outside the top 60 in all four of those games. So I'll be curious if Watson does come back, what that looks like, if he can still keep playing well, what his role looks like, what it looks like in comparison to Reed. Because like this is a situation that we are not afraid of like we were before the season. They are eighth EPA per play. 10th in DVOA, 7th in dropback EPA, and that's with Aaron Jones basically not being a factor at all this season. Jordan Love, like, I don't think he's great, but I think he's solid, and LaFleur can just flat-out coach an offense. So I want to see kind of how things shake out amongst those top couple guys in these last couple of weeks here. I also really like Dontavian Wicks for what yeah, it's worth. Yeah, Wicks is another um, good guy, too. Uh, I think I, I, I think Christian Watson is Will Fuller. Um, yeah. I will not explain anymore on that, um, <laughs> but it, it, he's Will Fuller. Um, and I think he's always going to be bait because he's always going to be a player that scores touchdowns and gets these deep bombs and looks good on paper. Well, mm. and I, I, I did a Twitter search as I am opt to do when I'm going to talk about somebody on, on the podcast. And it was like a, a picture of his spark score. And it's like Christian Watson showing everybody who he really is. Remember this guy. 99th percentile it's like man 
we just can't have a nuanced conversation about this guy. No. Well, and I, th- this is funny. This was something I was working on for the off season, but let me pull it up real quick. Um, it's in regards to Dontavian Wicks versus Christian Watson. And hold on. On go routes, who do you think has a better target per route run? I mean, I'm sure it's it's Wicks. It's Wicks. Yeah. The only metric that I have found so far, and I've only done four, so this is dot targets per route run, average separation, and contested catch rate. The only thing out of the five, which the last one is in zone targets, Christian Watson only beats on Taven Wicks in that. Dontavian Wicks is consistently eaten in to the deeper work. And then Christian Watson doesn't do anything good but run deep. And mm-hmm. I, that I, that's a perfectly sustainable play style in the NFL. T.Y. Hilton lived on it for years. Will Fuller lived on it for two years. Uh, Brandon Cooks made his play there before he turned into a full route player. It's perfectly fine. But it's not a wide receiver one. It never will be. And for an offense coached by a coach like LaFleur, he's just not going to do that to him. He's going to let Watson out there. And I am just as interested because if they make a playoff run and suddenly Watson's healthy and we're seeing a 50% snap share and they're putting these other three guys out there above him because they do more things well, not just one thing great, uh, it's a pretty solid argument. Uh, and, And the last thing, just like we can't forget what Christian Watson was coming in, which was an unrefined wide receiver and a great athlete. And all I have to say about everybody who hypes up great athletes in the draft process is every single player on the NFL field is a great athlete. Like there's, yeah. I understand there are levels to it, but it only gets you so far when you're also playing against 280 pound defensive ends who also run four fours. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll be interested to see how that develops. Uh, Jaden Reed also, fun fact, he has the highest. Uh, rush per attempt in the NFL <laughs> at like 10.1 yards. I know he's a wide receiver. He's like Randall Cobb 2.0 for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Give us your last storyline and then we will give our fantasy league uh, a quick two minutes and get out of here. All right. Uh, this one can be quick, but I am looking at the wide receiver shakeup. That's going to happen. Biggest name on the list because he proved he's still a dog. He's third in the NFL in one V one coverages from fantasy points. And that is Mike Evans. Look, Bucks make the playoffs. Bucks don't make the playoffs. I don't think the future's there in Tampa unless Mike just is ready to stay there and retire at Buck. Which will, maybe can't can't yeah. rule out for a guy who's been there for a decade. Uh, so I am very much watching how that season finishes in Tampa Bay going into firings. You mean, firings. You, you mean we are very much begging, please come to Kansas City, please, Mike. Yes. Uh, that would be the most ideal. Uh, so I want to see how his season ends up. Next guy I'm watching is uh, none other than T. Higgins. Yeah, I I think he has to be a free agent. I don't think the Bengals can afford him. He is play, he, he has not had a. It has been a lost season for T. Higgins, and I yeah. don't think that is all on T. Higgins. Um, so he's another player I'm watching his end of season. And then Michael Pittman, because Michael Pittman keeps up this wild tear he's on. He is probably the most – he might command more than T. Higgins on the wide receiver market. Uh, yeah, but he, like, never say never, but there's just almost no way the Colts don't bring him back. Like, yeah, they have a rookie – they have a rookie-scale deal quarterback. Like, that's when you pay this guy. Yes. Because, number one, you can afford it, and number two, your quarterback needs that guy. Yes. And he is an RPO king, which is what Strange Stikin loves. And then the last one, this is just for me. I hope over the next four weeks, Gabe Davis goes off every week. And 
some team pays Gabe Davis a Kenny Galladay-esque deal. And it's just not the Chiefs. <laughs> just, just not the Chiefs. Please not the Chiefs. Uh, we so, have our um, MVS replacement, boys. Gabe Davis. Uh, yeah, zero points this week, two <laughs> points next week. Get ready for it. Uh, so uh, secretly I'm hoping for a Gabe Davis into season just absolute tear and somebody is silly enough to sign the clap attack himself. That that is not a very good nickname for somebody to have the clap attack. <laughs> yeah, that's what I Waldman, thought it was intentional. You were you not that's what Waldman calls him because he claps to catch the ball instead of letting it hit his chest. He does do that. Uh okay. Let's move over to our league. I'm not gonna share screen like last week. I will just share um oh Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. Wow. Breaking news on the pod. Nice. Um, yeah, very nice. I don't know what that means for anything. Um, okay. So in the playoffs, <laughs> sorry, I'm distracted by Trolls. Uh, new team name. Didn't see that. Um, I thankfully squeaked out a incredibly low-scoring pillow fight to, to make the playoffs. Troll uh, beat Noah in a, what was it, like a 106.4 to 106.2 game, something like that, extremely close. And then J-Law, on the back of the Derrick Henry touchdown that beat the Dolphins, beats Juan, squeaks into the playoffs because poor Trejo starts uh, Mr. One Point himself, Justin Herbert, and loses uh, to Eli, because the Titans decided here, he Mostert, here are two touchdown opportunities that you can just have. So yep. tough in for Trejo. Shout out to Law, you know, doubted him at every turn, and he has somehow persevered, and he gets a rematch with Juan Pablo in the first round of the playoffs. I'm gonna let you, if you want, predict the playoffs. I feel like it's bad juju for me to predict the play- like. I was feeling the bad juju in my 72-point outing to barely make the playoffs as I predicted myself to make the playoffs last week. So I'm not going to do that again this week. I'll let you predict what you think is going to happen in, in the playoffs. Let's just go week one. Week one of the playoffs, and we're right. out of here. Starting with the 4-5 seed matchup. My co-host himself, Evan Riggs, against Noah. I'm picking Noah. Wow. You know, I projected to win. This is blasphemy. I understand your projection to win. Um, CMC against Arizona is just smash city. Uh, and look. I can't wait for Derek Carr to throw three touchdowns to Rashid Shahid this week and Chris Olave have two points. That's actually how uh, I'm going to lose. I can't wait to see Ezekiel Elliott be the reason you lose. <laughs> no, the, 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 Chiefs, the, the Chiefs got me there. Chiefs got me there. We could. So pick in. Pick and Noah that week. Next matchup, we have a 50-50 split between J-Law and Juan Pablo. Uh, I'm taking Law back-to-back. Derrick Henry against the Houston Texans defense has been like as smooth as butter for the last two years. I get it. They're a different team. I don't really care. There's something about the Houston Texans defense that makes Derrick Henry mad. He's going to have 150 yards and he's a touchdown. Uh, Rasheed Rice. Cortland Sutton, I mean, Law has, like, the biggest boomer bust. He's also starting Nico right now, who's already been confirmed not to play. I would get that guy out of your lineup, which probably slots in Joshua Palmer, who is the wide receiver one to Easton Stick for what it is worth. So I'm taking J-Law in a tight one, and then we are finishing those those two matchups. Those are the two. That's it. And I I have a bye week. Uh, 
because I'm so good at what I do. Yeah. Yes, that's why. All right. Uh, this is officially turned into a Nobody Believes in Us week uh, for the Melonheads. We'll take it. We'll take it all it. the motivation. You have my start of the week, Zach Moss. And I have my own star of the week, Devontae Adams. What could possibly go wrong? Interesting outcomes today. <laughs> uh, we have never been wrong on this podcast. Never. And that is going to do it for episode 129 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube uh, Half Point Per Podcast as well. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Hope you have a very successful quarterfinal round of your playoffs. And we will talk to you again next